You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the podcast on this Thanksgiving week. Uh, the ho- hope the holiday season's special, and we're thankful for all our listeners. But having said that, we'll go right into the breaking news. And to be honest, the breaking news, there, there isn't a lot of it especially for the games just haven't been played. This is usually the time where it's fast and furious with all the news, and this cycle's been pretty slow overall. The biggest news, obviously, is Joe Burrow. Tears his ACL, his MCL, has some structural damage in his left knee, and he is out for the year. Now, there's a lot of hoopla and whoop-de-doo about Joe Burrow and how the Bengals treated him. And I'll be honest, he's a rookie this year. I don't think that the Bengals did anything wrong besides play him, which you kind of need to do. Let him kind of take his lumps now and get that experience. The only thing I do have some questions on is, you know, you kind of saw it with David Carr where he was the number one pick and got just pummeled because the Texans never worked on their offensive line. And they, even after he was on the team for a while, they still refused to work on their offensive line. So he started getting happy feet and gun shy just because he was just getting abused back there. With Joe Burrow, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, if you're a Bengals fan, you'd be kind of scared of. And the Bengals did nothing to address that, that at all. Um, they, they drafted some people to try to grow with Joe Burrow, which definitely helps, but it's not going to help him this year. It's going to take a while for these guys to develop. And in the meantime, you still need someone protecting Joe Burrow. So I really feel like they kind of were taking the cheap route of trying to develop their own offensive line to protect Joe. But you kind of need to do that now. You knew you were starting him right away, that he was going to be your guy. Get veterans in there that know what they're doing, that the young guys can learn behind, and really solidify it for him so he's not running for his life like these last three weeks, he was just getting abused. So for this to happen, to be honest, it was only a matter of time. And it's, it's really sad for the NFL. It's sad if you're an NFL fan because I, I don't like the Bengals very much, but I really enjoyed watching Joe Burrow and, and that offense. You know, um, His injury really kind of takes away all the significance of an A.J. Green or T. Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, and, you know, Joe Mixon's on IR. Who knows if he even comes back now? Like, why is it worth him coming back and getting injured? Uh, why not just continue the season with Giovanni Bernard and kind of hit the reset button at this point? Uh, there's talk that it might his injury might lead into next season. You know, I really hope not. I hope this is an injury where he can recover and get back uh, by next season. But uh, a big blow for the Bengals and they might be having the first overall pick again this year because uh, if you've watched Ryan Finley the last couple of years and you saw him on Sunday, he's still the same Finley. 
and uh, it's not anything uh, exciting to watch, that's for sure. The Ravens facility closed down due to multiple positive COVID tests, which, you know, they're playing on Thursday, so there's not a lot of time. Uh, so if their facility is closed, they better hurry up and open it so they can get some practice time in for this game against the Steelers. Um, and it's it's some pretty significant players. J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, Brandon Williams, their nose tackle. He's a, a key cog in stopping the run. Uh, this They really need these guys for Thursday against this uh, AFC North matchup. It's a good one, you know, no matter how bad a team might be. The Steelers and Ravens always play it pretty close. So to lose these guys would be, yeah, would be a horrible thing. So um, it's looking like it's going to be the Gus Edwards show in this one. And hopefully they're not on that list very long and they're able to uh, bust out some negative uh, COVID tests. Speaking of COVID, this is actually seems to be the bulk of the breaking news. Adam Thielen was placed on the COVID list. He still might be able to play Sunday, and that's obviously if he can, you know, the rest of the way uh, keeps the uh, having negative tests. The uh, issue with that is we're not sure if he was contracted COVID or he was just in close contact. My guess is if he might be able to play on Sunday, is he was just a close contact that they, uh, you know, tracing they they traced it to him. And they put him on the list to make sure he uh, continues to test negative. Um, Miles, or sorry, Trent Williams tested positive for COVID. The 49ers tackle. That's a big blow because the Niners they like to run the ball. They, uh, you know, they've dealt with a lot of injuries, and him being on the list now or in testing positive, that's going to set him back. They're not going to have him this week. And the 49ers are in win-now mode. But uh, at the same time, you know, you need to keep everybody safe. And the biggest, uh, well, the other set of news is Miles Garrett will miss the second straight game for the Browns. That's significant, although I'll be honest, if you saw the Browns play last week, they did pretty well without him. And I'm not saying they don't need him. It's just, uh, you, you know, the, the Browns' defense is, is still a, a pretty decent group. And although Miles Garrett helps them a lot, uh, I don't think that uh, it will ruin their defense by any means. I still think they can be a solid unit. And uh, but it's, you know you like to see the best players play. And uh, my, I guess my biggest thing with Miles Garrett is, uh, you know, him just taking other people's helmets and hitting them over the head with it. Uh, it's it's hard to root for a guy that assaults someone on the field, but. Uh, in regards to an NFL talent standpoint, he's he's a good talent, and he needs to be out there for, for the Browns. Yay! A recap of Week 11. It was a fun week. I mean, you had a lot of backup quarterbacks playing, some quarterback injuries during the game, running back injuries. It just it seemed like a game, or a week, I should say, of a lot of people that you were really high on not ended up playing. You know, DeAndre Swift, everyone, you know, had him as a top play for the week. And he had a concussion and didn't end up playing. And Adrian Peterson took his place. You had, uh, you know, weren't sure about Matthew Stafford. He ended up playing, but everyone else was hurt. Kenny Galladay. Um, 
So, you know, Marvin Jones was really his only weapon, and it showed because uh, the Lions couldn't get anything moving. But then you had Teddy Bridgewater not playing and P.J. Walker having to come in and carry the Panthers. So j- just things like that. It, uh, it was totally unexpected, and you really had to pivot your, you know, on your roster and uh, in your lineups just because you know, you were accounting on some of these plays, and they were good plays. So it's unfortunate. But some of the games that I really was proud of in regards to picking against the spread was the Washington football team picked them. Uh, it was a one-and-a-half-point spread. I knew the Bengals weren't going to manage. Now, I didn't know that Joe Burrow was going to get hurt, of course, but uh, – I, I just like that Washington defense to carry them, and they did, because the Washington offense didn't really do as well as I thought they were going to do. I thought Alex Smith would uh, have a better game than he did. Um, the, the, G, the Detroit Lions, you know, I picked the Carolina Panthers to win by one and a half points. was even braver of a pick when uh, you found out Teddy Bridgewater wasn't playing, but they came through. They looked like the more dominant team. Picked the Tennessee Titans uh, and had the six and a half points against the Ravens. You know, Tennessee Titans ended up winning in overtime, but even then, I just I didn't see the Ravens being able to beat Tennessee by, you know, a touchdown. Uh, I knew this was going to be a close game. Now, I'd be lying to you if I thought Tennessee would win it outright, but that that point spread was way too high for me. And then the Jets, you know, they were <laughs> eight and a half point underdogs, and I just had confidence that they were going to go into you know Los Angeles and compete with the Chargers. Now, it took them a while. The Chargers got a big lead, and the Jets slowly came back. But their offense is actually coming together a little bit uh, a little bit better than what I anticipated, especially with Flacco. Flacco's he's an old man. He's uh, not very mobile. He has, he has a good arm, and he's definitely moving this Jets offense better than what Darnold has been able to do up to this point. So uh, I, I do think there's potential for the Jets to actually win a game sometime this season. I don't know when it is, but uh, I, I don't think they're a team that's going to go 0-16, uh, much to the chagrin of Jets fans who really want that to happen just so they can get Trevor Lawrence. The Denver Broncos picking them, you know, Miami had was a three-point uh, favorite. I just didn't like Tua in the mile-high altitude, and, you know, he played so bad he got benched for Fitzpatrick. Denver did a really good job on the ground in this game. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of that pick. Dallas Cowboys picked them. Vikings were favored by a touchdown. I, j- I just, with Andy Dalton playing quarterback for the Cowboys, and as bad as the Minnesota Vikings defense has been, I, I just, you know, I, I figured that Dallas was going to play this game close. They played it so close that they won. So good for them. And some of the games, you know, I picked Kansas City. I thought they'd win by a touchdown or more. They didn't. I, I kind of bombed on that one. And the other one that I wasn't too happy about was the Steelers in Jacksonville. I picked Jacksonville to stay within 10 points. But once the Jaguars secondary was really depleted and uh, they were going to, like, their fourth and fifth stringers, 
you really should have known that the Steelers were going to dominate this game and win by a whole lot more, especially with that defense and Luton being a rookie quarterback. Uh, Ten points doesn't actually seem like that much now, Come, you know, thinking back on it. So that's that's another one that I kind of regret missing on that I should have known better on. But outside of those two, I really liked all my other picks, and uh, it was a really good week. In regards to my starts, I, I thought Carson Wentz could have played better. And, you know, he picked it up at the end, throwing the touchdown passes to the tight end. Uh, but, man, the Cleveland played the Eagles pretty well. And Miles Sanders was a non-factor. Uh, Nick Chubb really wasn't much of a factor. I thought he'd have a better game than he did. And, you know, that Detroit Lions-Carolina Panther game, that game was all out of whack. You know, both quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater being out, Matthew Stafford not having his weapons, DeAndre Swift not playing, just those type of things really kind of threw that one for a loop. And uh, oddly enough, I picked the uh, the spread and I picked the over-under uh, prediction. So it doesn't happen too often where it, it gets all messed up like that and you, you still get both of them right. And then the Tennessee Titans-Baltimore Ravens game, I had Mark Andrews as a start. He obviously dominated. And uh, it, it's funny, though, because I had Gus Edwards and said I didn't think there was a lot of room for J.K. Dobbins. And then J.K. Dobbins ended up having the game of his life. And uh, outside, you know, outside of the COVID situation, he's going to go back and probably is going to be the main back for Baltimore uh, when he's ready. He definitely looks like the best back in Baltimore. And if you have Mark Ingram, I mean, he's almost a cut now. He had two carries for two yards. That's not cutting it. He needs to be, he needs to be cut. He's no longer a factor in fantasy football. And, you know, I like Gus Edwards a lot more than uh, Mark Ingram at this point. Uh, Hollywood Brown, you know, you can cut Hollywood Brown too. He's at the point now where it's like, why is he on your roster? You keep waiting for that big moment. And he's even doing worse than I thought. Like, I didn't like him coming into the season, but I thought he'd have those, you know, two or three big games where he would get people excited. He hasn't even done that. I mean, he's just a shell of a, his former self. And, again, it's something we always talk about, so I'm not going to uh, keep hammering that into the ground. Uh, but it's disappointing for sure. Uh, Justin Herbert, man, he's looking like one of the best rookie quarterbacks. And that's just crazy to say because he was the one that uh, I thought would benefit the most from just sitting back in the season and watching. Well, him and I actually thought Tua, too. But uh, I was wrong about Herbert. I mean, his arm, he can just place the ball places that I haven't seen a rookie quarterback be able to place uh, uh, the, the ball. And, and the throws that he makes is, is pretty impressive. So uh, he's, he's definitely a fun one to watch. Michael Perrine, he got kind of shaken up towards the end of the game. Definitely worth monitoring. Kalen Bellage, man, he was one of my starts of the week. I thought he'd have a huge game, and he was kind of a disappointment. I mean, I get that there wasn't enough ball to go around when Keenan Allen gets like 19 targets and like, what, 17 catches or so. Uh, that doesn't leave a lot for anyone else, but I still expected Kalen Bellage to have an impact on the ground. And it just wasn't there uh, for for him this week. And, yeah, that's really uh, going into 
uh, Andy Dalton had a decent game. He was able to throw a touchdown to Ezekiel Elliott. CeeDee Lamb got a touchdown. Uh, Adam Thielen got two touchdowns. And Justin Jefferson did pretty well. He had a touchdown. They were both on my starts. CeeDee Lamb was a start for me. He had a good game. I actually had Dalton Schultz sitting at tight end. And, of course, he scores a touchdown. But uh, that's the tight end position for you this year. It's like, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't been very good the last four or five weeks. And now, like this last week, it seemed like uh, there was a lot more tight end scoring touchdowns, which is great. You, you, you love to see it. You know, you, you invest in that position. And uh, it's nice to get uh, more than, you know, one or two points like a lot of tight ends have been getting the last couple of weeks. And then the Green Bay Indianapolis game, that game was crazy, man. I, I didn't expect the, uh, the the Colts to pull it out, and uh, I definitely didn't expect the, uh, the the offenses to play as well as they both did. They both, you know, the Colts definitely with their defense. Aaron Rodgers was just passing it all over the place. Devontae Adams had a touchdown. Um, on the other side, Michael Pittman had a touchdown. He looked really good. He was definitely a start, and he, he proved it. I'm really liking him going forward with just targets. And, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Jordan Wilkins, Naheem Hines. I was really disappointed in Naheem Hines. I thought he was a start, especially with the Packers. They gave up a lot of uh, receiving yards to the running back. That's Naheem Hines' forte, and he just was non-existent. It was really sad. And that Kansas City-Los Angeles game was a really good game, but you kind of expect those type of things in that type of matchup. Both teams have really good offenses. Their defenses are solid, but definitely leaky a little bit. And when you have talents like Mahomes and that offense, you know they're going to score a lot of points. And the Raiders were able to keep up. You know, Credit to them. Darren Waller had an amazing game. Derek Carr had a great game. It just, uh, they didn't have enough time at the end of the game, and that's what it really came down to. So uh, the, the Rams and the Buccaneers that happened today, I just like that Rams defense too much against this Tampa Bay uh, offense. You know, I, I know they looked good against the, uh, <laughs> I almost said the Saints, but the, last week the Buccaneers destroyed Carolina, but uh, the Rams aren't Carolina. They have a really good defense, and they did. They did a good job of, isolating Tom Brady. Tom Brady threw uh, more interceptions than I'm sure he would have liked. And uh, the, the good news is I really like the way that Brady still got the ball to Mike Evans and, and Godwin. And even Antonio Brown was a, a little bit relevant. So uh, they really were able to work the ball to uh, those receivers. But yeah, you can't run on the Rams and, and the Buccaneers definitely couldn't. And then on the other side, you know, Cam Akers scores his first touchdown. You know, Jared Goff was like the play of the game a couple weeks ago against Seattle and just totally bombed that. So what does he do? He goes to Tampa Bay and throws for three touchdowns. You know, Cooper Cup was all over the place. Total target hog. Uh, Bobby Trees, our buddy Bobby Trees, had a really good game. He was a lot of fun to watch. He scored a touchdown. So all in all, just a, a really fun game on that Monday night game. And my FanDuel lineup, Justin Herbert, Kalen Balage, Mike Davis, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Logan Thomas, Julio Jones, and Chargers defense. 
Chargers defense scored me a touchdown early. I was really excited about it, really holding the Jets, and then they just imploded. So uh, still I got the touchdown. I was happy about that. Kalen Balaj disappointed, like I said. He got like eight points. Mike Davis scored a touchdown, got some yards, so I'm happy with that. Herbert obviously really carried the lineup with those touchdowns. He was the, uh, I think, the second-ranked quarterback this week, so that was a good play there. And, you know, teaming up with Keenan Allen on that was obviously a really good play because Keenan Allen, again, had all those targets. And Terry McLaurin did, he disappointed me a little bit. I thought he'd do more. He only got 10 points and, what, like seven catches for 80-something yards. Uh, I expected a touchdown from him and some big plays. That didn't happen. And then the two that really killed me was Jacoby Myers and Logan Thomas. Uh, Demir Bird was the guy. What Demir Bird did is what I thought Jacoby Myers was going to do. And uh, my bad on that. I definitely didn't see Demir Bird coming out of nowhere and taking those targets from Jacoby. And then Logan Thomas, again, he's he's that big tease where it's like I want nothing to do with him, and then he starts producing, and then has me thinking, well, maybe I'm going to give him another chance. Yeah, oh yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him another chance. And sure enough, Logan Thomas, I give him another chance, and then he does nothing for me. does absolutely squat. That was pretty disappointing. And Julio Jones, you know, Ridley was the better play. And then, you know, Julio Jones is a little banged up again. So for all that money that I spent on Julio, that money could have been spent better elsewhere. So uh, stars of the week, I had Mahomes, Roethlisberger, and Herbert. Herbert obviously made the top three, so that was a good call. For running backs, I had Cook, Balaj, and Kamara. Kamara was weird. You know, they used Taysom Hill a lot uh, running the ball, so that took away from some of Kamara's rushing touchdowns, I believe. Uh, Balaj, we already talked about. And Cook, he was a top three. I think he was number two behind Henry. So good call on Dalvin Cook. The receivers, Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Tyreek Hill, and all three weren't top three receivers, although Justin Jefferson did really well, and Tyreek was able to score a touchdown and, and be pretty relevant. Um, so good game from him. Tight ends, I had Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, and Logan Thomas. And, of course, I had Kelsey, but that's an easy one. Everyone's going to pick Kelsey. That's uh, that's how it goes. But uh, that's kind of the recap of the week and how we did. And, you know, now it's just time to focus on week 12 and do it all over again. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. Our quarterback Goats of the Week. It was a fun week at quarterback this week. You got to see some things you don't normally get to see. P.J. Walker from his XFL days, finally had an NFL start, and he looked solid. I mean, he didn't have a top performance, but he was uh, solid enough to bring the Panthers a victory. And then you have Taysom Hill starting for the Saints, and he actually had a top 10 quarterback play. You know, you, you liked his odds putting him in that tight end spot, but uh, wasn't sure how he was going to stack up to the rest of the quarterbacks, and he did. He did pretty decent. So moving into our top three quarterbacks our number three goat of the week is Jared Goff 
This was the Monday night matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Los Angeles Rams won by a field goal, and Jared Goff was 39 for 51. 51 times he dropped back and passed. He had 376 yards, had three touchdowns. He did have two picks, but, I mean, three touchdowns, 376 yards. He easily slides into that top three play, barely squeaking out Kirk Cousins. And this performance, I mean, Bobby Trees, Cooper Cup, I mean, Van, uh, Van Je- uh, Vaughn Jefferson got a uh, touchdown. Josh Reynolds was targeted. I mean, he was just throwing the ball all over the field to everybody. Cam Akers got a p- passing touchdown. It just uh, was a great thing to see. And, you know, we had Jared Goff last week as being one of the top plays against the Seahawks, and he really disappointed us. And then he has a tough matchup against the Buccaneers and proceeds to just slice and dice the Buccaneers' defense. It was uh, really unexpected, and it was fun to watch, to be honest. Uh, So good for Jared Goff. Way to rebound from his uh, pretty bad performance the week before. And uh, that moves into our number two GOAT of the week. Number two GOAT was Justin Herbert for the Chargers. They were playing the New York Jets at home, and he was 37 for 49, 366 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, he just was looking at Keenan Allen all game long, throwing it to him. Keenan Allen can catch the ball. He had a touchdown pass to Mike Williams. That was a pretty big play. And Justin Herbert was just really fun to watch this game. You knew he had a great matchup, and he was going to be a top play. But then just to see it play out and – uh, watch him, you know. I, I get that it was against the Jets. That's not lost on me. I, I'm not acting like he played against a really good team, but it's still, like, it's hard to believe this guy's a rookie and uh, where he's able to place the ball. It's it's just on another level. And uh, good for Justin Herbert. But that leads to our number one quarterback, Deshaun Watson, where the Houston Texans beat the New England Patriots. He was 28 for 37 for 344 yards, threw for two touchdowns. He also ran the ball for six times, had 36 yards and a touchdown. It was really the Deshaun Watson show. Houston was up on New England pretty big right away. They, they scored three quick touchdowns, and uh, you know they allowed New England to get back in the game, but it was pretty much over at, you know, at that point. When you saw those three touchdowns on the board, it was a it was a good thing to see the Houston offense perform like that. Deshaun Watson obviously is a top tier quarterback, and you're wondering how they're going to build around him for the future, because there's some talent on the Texans if they're able to uh, hone that in and uh, you know, like I said, build around Deshaun Watson. But uh, this, uh, I mean, I figured you know Deshaun Watson uh, definitely could have had a big game with especially Stephon Gilmore being out, but you didn't expect him to have the top like performance in all of football this week. That definitely came out of left field. But good for him, and he's our number one GOAT of the week. <laughs> the GOAT of the week at running back. A lot of great performances. This number three GOAT of the week, though, I'm kind of happy for him. It's Melvin Gordon versus the Dolphins. Ran the ball 15 times for 84 yards. Had two touchdowns. And to be honest, he could have had three touchdowns, but he fumbled the ball at the inch yard line. It's like, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know how you could fumble it that close to the goal line, but he did. And instead of six points, you had negative two from, from the fumble. But uh, even with that fumble, he still is a top running back this week. And, you know, if the Broncos offense can gain some consistency, there might be some good plays there because there's some talent between Gordon and Fant and Judy. But, uh, yeah, they've just had really bad quarterback play. And it's been, you know, it makes it hard to uh, know who to play week to week on this Broncos offense. But nonetheless, this was a great performance by Melvin Gordon. Probably his best performance since week four. He hasn't had too many top-tier performances. And uh, he came out of the woodworks in this one. Number two is Dalvin Cook. This is not a surprise. Vikings running back versus the Dallas Cowboys. We knew it was coming. 27 carries for 115 yards and a touchdown. Also had five receptions for 45 yards. That's what also makes Dalvin Cook so good is he gets so many points receiving as well as rushing. Um, Again, no surprise here. He seems to be on this list every, every week almost. We should start calling it the Dalvin Cooks of the week for running backs because that's how consistent he's been. Number one is Derrick Henry. Against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the Tennessee Titans beat them in overtime. Derrick Henry was the, a big reason why. 28 carries for 133 yards and the overtime touchdown. At that point, the Ravens were tired and beaten and bruised, and that's when Derrick Henry's at his best. And I was kind of worried about Derrick Henry at the beginning. He really wasn't getting it going. The Ravens were stopping him, but, you know, the – the Titans are really good at uh, forcing the run down your throat. They have attrition on their side. They'll they'll keep going and going with it. And uh, Henry started wearing on him, and he started producing towards the end of the game. And it turned out to be the number one performance in fantasy football with uh, with his efforts. So good for Derrick Henry, and he is our number one goat of the week. Now, with our wide receiver goats of the week, it was a crazy week for wide receivers. Just a lot of really good performances, a lot of big plays, stat-wise, just a lot of good things happened. But our number three wide receiver, goat of the week, it was Keenan Allen, Los Angeles Chargers versus the New York Jets. He was targeted 19 times. 19 times he was targeted. I mean, that's just an insane amount of targets in one game. Caught 16 of those. For 145 yards, had a touchdown. I think he could have had more touchdowns, but just seemed like every time Justin Herbert was dropping back, he was looking Keenan Allen's way. And uh, to be honest, it was because he was. It uh, it doesn't get uh, too much better. And this matchup was just prime for Keenan Allen to have a big game, and uh, he did. So good for him. He uh, it looked like he might hold up the number one spot, but. Uh, uh, he was just fell a little bit short. Number two goat of the week was Demir Bird. We just spent a lot of time talking about him at Houston. He had seven targets, had six catches for 132 yards, had a receiving touchdown on a pretty big play, and then he had one rush for 11 yards. And Demir Bird's a great talent. You saw it with the Cardinals a little bit last year. It's uh, great to see the Patriots using him in that capacity right now. And I think that will start to continue. The, the Patriots are getting that chemistry going a little bit, that continuity. 
And Demir Bird's a really good second receiver if you use him right. And he's a big he's a, a big play threat, and he definitely had it in this game against Houston. Adam Thielen is our number one GOAT of the week. The Minnesota Vikings versus the Dallas Cowboys. Adam Thielen just was on fire. 11 catches, had, or sorry, 8 catches on 11 targets for 123 yards, 2 touchdowns. He had 2, and and one of the touchdowns, he had an amazing catch. It just, uh, he was in the zone, and you don't want to see Adam Thielen in the zone because that's what it looks like. The, the whole Vikings offense looked spectacular, and this was all in the losing effort. So Vikings offense finally looks like it does. You would expect them to win, but they didn't. They lost to the Cowboys. But uh, Adam Thielen, great performance, number one GOAT of the week. And this consistency from Adam Thielen this, this year has just been really refreshing to see. Uh, I think he has some more big games in him. Well, he has more big games in him as soon as he gets off the uh, COVID list. Now it's time for the tight end goats of the week. And these guys, man, they're, they're on the list quite a bit. They're three tight ends that are big parts of their team's offenses, and they always have some you know pretty big weeks. And I would say the last two years, they've, they've probably been the top three tight ends. So it's just fitting that they're all on the top in one week, right? So the week 11 goats, number three is Darren Waller for the Las Vegas Raiders. This was the game against the Chiefs. He caught all seven of his targets for 88 yards and that touchdown in the back of the end zone. Just a really fun game to watch in the way the Raiders utilize him in the passing game. He's their main weapon, and he had a top performance. Number two was Mark Andrews versus the Titans. This was in a losing effort. But you thought they lost some of that magic. Lamar Jackson wasn't able to hit Mark Andrews like he has in the past. You're wondering what was going on. What was wrong with Mark Andrews? What was wrong with Lamar Jackson? They at least put it to rest for a week because Mark Andrews had seven targets, five catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Just was really good to see that connection uh, flowing again just because uh, it's really the rest of their offense is predicated off that. And they run the ball so much better when they're able to uh, do a lot of that play action to Andrews. And I think that's a big reason why J.K. Dobbins had a pretty good week. But the number one tight end who seems to sit on top of the throne here every week is Travis Kelsey. The Kansas City Chiefs tight end is that same uh, Chiefs-Las Vegas Raiders game. was targeted 10 times, had eight catches for 127 yards, and a touchdown. He was just all over the place, always available. Raiders had no answer for him, had a really big game. Mahomes basically can throw it to him at will. And it was uh, it, it was needed because uh, the Chiefs just barely squeaked by, and it was all due to the efforts of Travis Kelsey and that passing game. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Getting right into our Ghosts of the Week at quarterback, and there was a lot to choose from here. There was just a lot of really bad performances, but that's the way it goes. 
The the number three ghost of the week was Matthew Stafford at the Carolina Panthers. And I just it, it defies logic on this one. Matthew Stafford again has a when he has good matchups, he's does pretty well. He gets two, three touchdown passes, almost three hundred yards. And then he has a matchup where he's primed to just excel. And you're like, oh man, that Matthew Stafford, he's gonna kill it this week. Just kill it. And he was 18 for 33 for 178 yards. Had five yards rushing, which is insignificant. But I mean, that's just nothing. And and I get Galladay was hurt, you know, Swift was gone, but uh, I don't know. Like, you just expect more from Matthew Stafford. His thumb was hurt. I mean, I, I guess there's a lot of built-in excuses on this one with why Stafford didn't have the day you would think against Carolina. But, again, it's Carolina. I mean, you can be throwing the ball to Marvin Hall all day and I think have a decent uh, output on, you know, production. So it was not to be not only that, but the Lions didn't even score at all. It's like the first time ever that Matthew Stafford has been shut out. And, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, and I hope they can rebound on Thanksgiving. The good news is it's a short week for them, so they only have to wait four days before uh, their, their next game, and hopefully they can uh, do a little bit better against the, the Houston Texans this Thursday. Number two was Baker Mayfield versus the Eagles. I mean, Eagles are a tough defense, and you're expecting Baker Mayfield to maybe not have the best day based off this matchup, but 12 for 22 for 204 yards. That was it. I mean, he had nine yards rushing, but no touchdowns really outside of their rushing attack with with Chubb and Hunt, who, by the way, didn't have a necessarily amazing day either. I mean, Hunt kind of saved himself with that touchdown, but all in all, just a really bad offensive performance in this game, and the weather was pretty bad. This is the second week in a row where if you're in Cleveland, you, you didn't see a game that had the best weather. And it definitely showed in this game. Carson Wentz looked bad. Baker Mayfield looked bad. And, uh, yeah, that weather definitely didn't do Baker Mayfield any favors. My number one ghost of the week, however, is Matt Ryan at the Saints. 19 for 37 for 232 yards, and he had two interceptions. And that was it. That was it. No touchdowns. I mean, you had Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage got involved a little bit. And, you know, Hayden Hurst, who wasn't even – he was barely targeted that game at all. Matt Ryan, just horrible game. And the Falcons in general just looked horrible. They couldn't move the ball. They, were, they had too many three and outs. The The Saints even gave them some life early in the game to – for, for the Falcons to do something and maybe take the early lead. And, you know, when the Falcons' defense puts you in a spot to have success and you can't take advantage of it, you're pretty much dead in the water because the Falcons' defense doesn't do that often, and they just weren't able to take advantage of it. So, sorry, Matt Ryan, you had a crappy week, and you are number one ghost of the week. Let's hope that you don't do that again, please. Our running back ghost of the week, this is a really sad bunch in this one. I'm really disappointed in these guys. A couple of them I actually expected to have pretty good games, and uh, it just didn't happen. My, my number three ghost of the week at running back is Duke Johnson versus the Patriots. 
And I'm kicking myself on this one because I liked Duke Johnson in this matchup. I thought he was primed to have a pretty good game. Um, luckily, I don't have him on any of my rosters because, you know, I might have even played him. But then I got back to thinking about it. Duke Johnson is nothing but hype. When has he actually had a good game where you're like, man, Duke Johnson really showed me something? He hasn't. I mean, he was in Cleveland where everyone's kind of building him up, saying that he should get more play. Uh, that You know, he forced his way out, went to Houston. He was behind David Johnson. And, you know, people were saying, oh, he's, he's a better back than David Johnson, which, to be honest, he might be. But um, he's had his chance to really shine and be the main guy these last three weeks or so. And what he's shown us is that he can't get it done. I mean, he had 10 carries for 15 yards. 10 carries for 15 yards. I mean, you can fall forward and get more than 15 yards on 10 carries. Just a, a really bad performance. He caught the ball three times for 20, and you know, another 20 yards. And this isn't the bell cow type back that we are looking for. And again, it's it's one of those things where we keep hyping this guy up, and he hasn't shown anything. So why do we keep believing that he's going to show us something? Um, I'm not going to be fooled again by it. Duke Johnson, I'm sorry, you're my number three ghost of the week. My number two ghost of the week is Todd Gurley against the Saints. In this one, I I'm able to forgive a little bit because I didn't think he was going to have a good week against the Saints' rush defense. It's just really good. And, uh, you know, the, the Falcons in general... Their offense was couldn't get anything going. But he carried the ball eight times for 26 yards and uh, only had one catch for three yards. Overall, pretty dis disappointing uh, effort. You're hoping maybe he can squeeze a touchdown or something in there on you know around the goal line where Todd Gurley actually is, excels and does pretty well. But he couldn't. And, uh, yeah, he, he just didn't have a really good game. My number one ghost of the week is Adrian Peterson for the Lions. It was against the Panthers, and here's why he's our number one ghost of the week. Well, first off, he had a really crappy game, so that's the first reason why. But he was replacing DeAndre Swift, who, with this matchup, he was some people's top play of the week. Like, you got to play DeAndre Swift against this defense. He's going to dominate it. And then he was hurt, and, you know, they said Adrian Peterson was going to get all the carries. So you're like, oh, good, you know, that, that means Adrian Peterson might have a pretty decent game. He's playing the Panthers, who give up a lot of yards. So this looks like it's going to be a decent matchup for Adrian Peterson. Maybe not quite on the level of DeAndre Swift playing, but he's still going to be good. Seven carries, 18 yards. It's not even three yards a carry. And uh, really mu pretty much a non-factor from the beginning. And, uh, yeah, that's it for Adrian Peterson. And if you started him, you had to be really disappointed, uh, which... You know, I, I know some people that picked him up really quick on the waiver wire. Like, oh, Adrian Peterson's going to play. This is a good matchup. i got to get him in there. And then just totally regretted that move. So thank you, Adrian Peterson. Your pathetic performance this week got you the number one ghost of the week. <laughs> now the wide receiver ghost of the week. And... This one is, is equally as bad as the running backs. My number three ghost is Juju Smith-Schuster at the Jaguars. And this one's a little deceiving because he had five targets and he caught the ball four times. So you're thinking, well, you know, there's still room for him to have a decent stat line with that. 
but he had 19 yards. That was it, 1-9. Zero touchdowns, nothing. And a lot of people said that, you know, against this Jacksonville defense that this was going to be Smith-Schuster's big game, and it wasn't. You know, it was his birthday. They were able to celebrate his birthday on Chase Claypool's touchdown. Uh, Deontay Johnson didn't get a touchdown, but he got like 18 targets and over 100 yards. And Juju Smith-Schuster seemed to be the forgotten guy in that receiving core. And that's happening a little bit too much for my liking. You know, he'll pop up here and there and have a decent game. But, uh, yeah, this this was a great matchup, and he wasn't able to produce. So you had to be disappointed. Number two, Hollywood Brown versus the Titans. I don't know what to say. It just gets worse and worse. And then when you think it can't get any worse, it then proceeds to get worse the next week. He was targeted three times. Three times, and that's it. Zero yards, zero catches, zero everything. Uh, really horrible game for Hollywood Brown. Really bad game for the Ravens overall. I think the only positive in this game was J.K. Dobbins on their offense. And, you know, again, Hollywood Brown needs to be dropped. You, you can't rely on him. He's not worth a roster spot. He just, you know, Lamar Jackson can't get him the ball. Hollywood Brown can get open. Uh, there's a lot of things wrong with this, uh, the chemistry here. So uh, just save yourself the headaches and, and go somewhere else. Number one was Travis Fulgham at the Browns. And the reason why he's number one was because he was start targeted seven times. Seven times he was targeted. That's a lot of opportunity at receiver. But he had one catch for eight yards. The weather was really bad. Carson Wentz was off. He couldn't throw it anywhere. You know, that pick six he threw to what, Taki Taki? Um, that wasn't even around anybody. Like, he totally overthrew the running back he was trying to pitch it over to, uh, or the tight end or whoever. And, I mean, it was a horrible throw. And he just couldn't connect with anybody. And that really hurt Travis Fulgham. And this is two weeks in a row that he's been one of our ghosts. So. I don't know if the magic's over or what's going on, but, uh, you know, Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, they're all not producing at the levels that we thought. And it seems like as the Eagles are getting healthier and they're getting their weapons back, their offense is more discombobulated and looking worse. Um, and really the only save that they have in regards to Carson Wentz is he's able to still work with the tight ends a little bit. Uh, as Rodgers and Goddard both had touchdowns. Outside of that, yeah, it really was a, a pretty pathetic day all the way around. <laughs> now as our tight end, Ghosts of the Week. There's not a lot to like here either. Of course there's not a lot to like. These are our ghosts. And at tight end number three, Irv Smith versus the Cowboys. I actually liked this matchup. I thought there was room for Irv Smith to have a pretty decent day. He was targeted twice, had two catches for 23 yards. That was it. So, not what you'd expect, and definitely a disappointment. But not as much of a disappointment as this next person, because this next person was facing the 32-ranked defense against tight ends. It was Jared Cook for the Saints against the Atlanta Falcons. He was targeted once had one catch for six yards. And I get that it was Taysom Hill, but, I mean, he was able to make some throws. You know, he hit Michael Thomas and some of the receivers, 
but uh, even uh, Adam Troutman, he was able to get for a nice little play. But yeah, he I don't know if it was because he was playing tight end that uh, he was trying to make the guys that were in front of him look worse. <laughs> like, hey, hey, when Drew Brees comes back, uh, I, I really would like that tight end position back. So uh, here you go, Jared Cook. I'm ignoring you all game. Because he really did. I mean, one target, that's just not getting it done, especially when this was a weakness for the Falcons. My number one ghost of the week, however, really upsets me because he was one of my top plays of the week. I thought he was going to totally dominate. And it's Logan Thomas versus the Bengals. He, the guy with two first names, was targeted five times, had two catches for six yards, ran the ball once for two yards, and, yeah, it's just a really poor outing. And we kind of already discussed this in the recaps, but, you know, Logan Thomas was one of those ones where he made me sour on him because every time I hyped him up, he would disappoint me. So then I said I was done with him. I wasn't going to touch him for the rest of the season. So I finally I come back around saying, well, Logan Thomas has a nice, good, you know, a good play here. He's going to do something put him in there, and then he lets me down. You know, he builds me up to let me down, and uh, he did again this time. So, Logan Thomas, you're our number one ghost of the week. Really bad performance. You need to be ashamed of yourself. It's Perk and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get started. All right, this is the part that gets me really jacked. This is where you can improve your fantasy football team this week with the weekly Pickups to stick up segment where we tell you who to pick up off of waivers to help your team this week. And unfortunately, it's kind of a dud because this is not a good week for waiver wire pickups. If uh, your team's hurting, you're trying to make that last push these last couple weeks for the playoffs, there has been better weeks, that's for sure. But uh, we're still going to give it a go. And right now we'll give you the top three at each position that you should be thinking about and targeting for not just this week, but uh, your, your drive to the playoffs. Number three quarterback pickup of the week is Carson Wentz for the Eagles. He's playing the Seahawks, and I know you've seen this before, quarterback against the Seahawks. They're supposed to be you know, having a great performance. First, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick, who kind of underwhelmed. Then it was Jared Goff, who kind of overwhelmed. Then it was Kyler Murray, who kind of underwhelmed. And Carson Wentz hasn't looked very good. Turned the ball over a lot. You know, you saw what he did last week against Cleveland. But I think this is a turnaround game for him. And uh, I, I think this is a good, you know, if you have an injury... You know, Drew Brees is hurt. You need someone to fill in for this week. Carson Wentz would be a good play that can get you some points and keep you competitive. So it's it's worth a shot. And in the same vein, because I'm sticking with the NFC East, it's Daniel Jones. And I know what you're thinking. Daniel Jones has played like crap this year. Why do I want Daniel Jones? Well, he's going against Cincinnati, who's going to be starting Ryan Finley. I, I don't think that Ryan Finley will be able to keep the Bengals on the field. That leaves Daniel Jones to be on the field a lot, throwing passes to Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, uh, 
basically, you know, Darius Slayton, anyone else he, he can uh, throw the ball to. And uh, this will be a good matchup for him to do that. Uh, the, the Bengals are horrible at defending receivers. They're horrible at defending the quarterback. They're horrible at defending the running backs, uh, especially the receiving running back out of the backfield. So this just has a lot of fantasy gold all the way around with Daniel Jones. So hear me out. He's a good waiver wire pickup for this week. You need to make the playoffs. You don't have a quarterback. You have Daniel Jones. The number one, however, and the reason why he's number one, but I'm not building him up too much, is I've seen him gone in more leagues than I would like. Uh, a lot more people, especially I guess with injuries and bye weeks, have been having him on their roster. But it's Derek Carr for the Raiders. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons, who are the worst team against quarterbacks, who just gave up 24 points to Taysom Hill. I like Derek Carr a lot in this matchup. I think he's the play of the week. He's available in a lot of leagues. If he is available in your league, pick him up. He definitely can help you win this week. And uh, or at least give you those points at that quarterback position where it's not going to be a liability and, and keep your team competitive. Running back, we'll go with our number three. Uh, if you haven't heard, Rex Burkhead was carted off the field. He was hurt pretty bad. Rex Burkhead has been an integral part of this Patriots offense. He's kind of taken over James White's role of being the receiving running back. Well, now that he's carted off and is going to miss the season, James White becomes relevant again. So pick up James White. The Patriots, they do throw the running backs quite a bit in the passing game, and James White's the best equipped to do that. Now, I don't expect him to get a lot of carries because they still have, you know, Sony Michelle came back from IR. Damian Harris has been lighting it up. So James White will not get those carries, but he definitely will be getting those receiving yards, and he's relevant. My number two is Gus Edwards for the Ravens. The reason why he's not number one, because I really do like his talent, I think he's a good running back, is I expect Ingram and Dobbins to take over from here on out after this week. But as a one-week play, I get that it's against the Steelers, one of the top rushing defenses in the NFL. But uh, I think there's a lot of volume to be had for him. He's going to be the main guy. Gus Edwards is a pretty decent running back, too. So I, I think he can be picked up. Can he be played this week? It depends on who you have available to you. But uh, you can do worse than having uh, Gus Edwards with the high volume that he's going to get this Thursday night. Th that's the thing, though, is he's playing Thursday night, so you need to remember that. And if you do play him, uh, yeah, make sure he's make sure he's in your lineup if you're planning on it. Carry uh, on Johnson, I have his number one, and this sounds crazy, I know. Nobody has carry on Johnson, but with DeAndre Swift going to be out again this week, I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to be the play. I think they're going to rely on carry on Johnson this week, and it's he's going to have a great week. Houston's one of the worst in the whole NFL at the running back position, and especially receiving as well. And carry on Johnson can do both. 
And I, I, th- I think that Adrian Peterson will still be relevant where he'll get some volume. But I, I think Carryon Johnson adds a more diverse skill set at this point. And if he's in there, you're not sure if he's going to be, you know, running the ball. They're going to be throwing it to him. So I expect Carryon Johnson to be the the better play here. And it's it's someone that, uh, you know, a lot of people will probably overlook. And you can swoop in there and, and get the play. I think he's the best play for this week out of the three guys that I mentioned. So that's why he's my number one. At wide receiver, number three, I have Steven Sims. He came back from IR a couple weeks ago. He's playing the Cowboys, and they give up a lot of points to the wide receiver position. He scored a touchdown last week, and I just think that volume is going to keep going up. I think he's going to continue to get more targets. I like Steven Sims before his injury, and with Alex Smith, I think they finally have a quarterback that's a little more accurate. So you can see Steven Sims' numbers go up a little bit as well. Number two is Demir Bird for the Patriots. I am not buying the hype of his big game. I think it's kind of an anomaly. He had that big game, good for him. I like his, uh, he's a burner. I like his big playability. He definitely had a lot of uh, big plays last week against the Texans. He's playing the Cardinals this week. He won't be the number one receiver. He won't get the number one uh, cornerback, so I don't see Patrick Peterson being on him. So I think he can have potential to have a big game this week as well. So he should be the number two pickup of the week at receiver. And on top of that, he's a starting wide receiver in the NFL. So target-wise, he's going to get his targets. You know, he's not playing right now because there's an injury. So long-term, he's a decent play especially as this Patriots offense is starting to play a little bit better and really getting some more of that chemistry. Then my number one pickup at wide receiver of the week is Kiki Koti, uh, or QT, however you pronounce it. He's been a reliable slot receiver in the past, you know, with Cooks and Cobb and Fuller. They haven't really needed him. But now that Cobb's hurt, and I expect Cobb to be hurt for probably the rest of the season, that's another injury that's noteworthy. Uh, Kiki uh, QT is going to be that guy, and I think he can take over for those uh, for some of those targets. Deshaun Watson uses all of his receivers; they're all capable of having a you know big games. And I, I think QT, if he stays healthy, could actually be more productive than Randall Cobb at this stage of Randall Cobb's career. So uh, this could actually be an upgrade. And you know, he's going to be around for the rest of the season getting those targets. So he's worth a pickup, and he's worth my number one pickup. At tight end, this was really painful because all the good tight end pickups, we told you to pick them up last week. And for right now, my number three is Adam Troutman for the Saints. I just feel like he's, you know, with Taysom Hill playing quarterback, Troutman's going to be the second tight end, especially with Josh Hill kind of being banged up. Uh, Jared Cook, you know, wasn't very productive last week. I I was more impressed with Troutman, and I think they can utilize his skill set with Taysom Hill a little bit better. So I think he can be a good pickup this week and play against the Denver Broncos. My number two is Dalton Schultz for the Cowboys. Now that Andy Dalton's quarterback, the Dallas Cowboys' weapons are relevant again. So he probably dropped Dalton Schultz 
because, uh, you know, there wasn't enough balls and targets to go around. But they're playing the Washington football team, who gives up points to the tight end, and Dalton Schultz could be a really good play this week. And then my number one is Jordan Aikens for the Houston Texans. They play the Lions. Lions don't defend the tight end position very well. And Aikens got a hell of a lot of targets last week. I think it was like, man, like eight for, you know, as a tight end, that's just, that's really good. So I can see that continuing against the Lions. Of course, there's always the chance of Darren Fells, you know, kind of getting in the mix and vulturing some of those targets. But uh, there's there's really, at this point, not uh, a lot not to like about Jordan Aikens. So pick him up. Those are our pickups. I know they're underwhelming. They're not too exciting. But there is still some... Uh, there is still some pieces that you can grab that can definitely uh, improve your team this week. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview Starting now. The early morning Thanksgiving Day matchup where before the you know the turkey's cooked, before you're stuffed and falling asleep off of a pumpkin pie it's going to be this game and it's going to be the Houston Texans at the Detroit Lions the Lions are favored by two points I'm taking the Texans, I think the Texans win I just like Deshaun Watson Uh, when it comes down to it I like him a little bit better than Stafford and I think he leads their team to victory and if you give me two points on top of that, I'll take it the the over-unders, 50.5 I'm taking the over both these defenses aren't very good so I think that uh, it's going to be closer to almost 60 points scored. It's going to be a high-scoring game. You're starting Deshaun Watson, of course. You're starting Matthew Stafford, of course. It won't be like the Carolina Panther game where they were shut out. I expect the Lions offense to kind of have a mini explosion on offense and put the Panther game behind them. Uh, who else? Adrian Peterson, on Johnson, I think, are both starts. The Texans give up a lot of yards to the running back, and those are the two running backs that are going to uh, be getting the volume for the Lions. So I like on Johnson a little bit better just because he receives the ball a little bit better, and I think they'll utilize the running back in that capacity in this one. So I do like on Johnson. Marvin Jones, if Kenny Galladay plays, obviously, I think this can be Kenny Galladay's real big game. Because uh, he hasn't had one. He's, he's been kind of a disappointment with uh, his injuries. And then T.J. Hawkinson, he definitely is a, a start in this matchup. And on the bench, Marvin Hall is on the bench. And that's really it. I don't have a lot of other players. It's Marvin Hall and start everyone else on the lines. For the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, we don't need to talk about. You're starting him. Duke Johnson, I have him as a start, and I know. I just spent the time ripping on him in our uh, 
Ghosts of the Week, and I get it, but just the Lions are so terrible defending the running back position, and there's not a lot of options for the Texans. I mean, if Duke Johnson doesn't have a big game here, he'll never have a big game. Uh, This is his chance. So let's see if he takes advantage of it. He's a start. And Brandon Cooks, I really like that second receiver. Uh, Akuda's hurt. I don't think he'll play in this game. Uh, So the, the second receiver could be big, and Brandon Cooks is capable of having some big games. So I think he does in this one. Uh, but Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti, who's our one of our top pickups, Jordan Aikens, who's one of our top pickups, Daniel Fell or sorry, Darren Fells, I think they all could be uh, benches in this game. I don't like their matchups. I, I don't think that they have very good games. So um, I, I know someone like Will Fuller, who's the number one receiver. It's tough to bench. Uh, so I'm not saying to do it, especially depending on you know who your roster is. He might be your best bet, but uh, just temper your expectations on him. He, he could potentially not have the game that you're you're hoping for. But uh, this will be a fun game to kick off the Thanksgiving holiday in the morning. Uh, you know, it's definitely will I think have more firepower on offense than the the next two games. And uh, we'll be a little bit more fantasy relevant in regards to points. So, uh, yeah, started off with a bang for the holidays. This next game we're going to preview is the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. AFC East football, baby. The worst of the worst right now. Two teams that are 3-7 and seven going at it for first place in the division. And I'm not exaggerating. The Dallas Cowboys are favored by one and a half points. And with Andy Dalton back, I kind of have to agree with that. I'm taking the Cowboys. They're at home. It's Thanksgiving. I I do get that the Washington football team plays the Cowboys pretty well. But I'm taking the Cowboys. The over-under is 48 points. I'm taking the under on this one. I really think it's going to be a, I don't know, a low-scoring grudge fest type of game. Um... This will be around the time you're eating your Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, you're at the table sneaking over at the TV to see, uh, you know, how the Cowboys are doing, see if the Redskins can uh, hang with them. And like I said, I think they do. You're starting Alex Smith. You're starting Antonio Gibson. This is a great matchup for Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. I think you start both of them. The uh, Cowboys can't stop the rush. They, they can't stop the receiving uh, options out of the backfield so both of them are starts in my book it's really going to come down to the targets and volume and obviously the game flow so if the Cowboys getting a, a huge lead I'm, I'm definitely liking McKissick a little bit more if it stays pretty neutral I'm liking Gibson a little bit more but it really depends on that game fl- or yeah that game flow um what else oh Terry McLaurin I really like Terry McLaurin in this game the Cowboys don't have anyone that can cover him. It's another big game for him. Steven Sims, same type of thing uh, in that slot position. The Cowboys cannot defend the slot position. So I think Steven Sims is going to have an amazing game. He might be the one that gets the, uh, what, the Cherdunkin, uh turkey, chicken, whatever thing that they pass out. That might be Steven Sims with uh, the work he can do in the slot in this game because he's going to be open all game long. 
On my bench for the Washington football team, I have really just Cam Sims, and that's it. I like Cam Sims' height, but uh, between McLaurin and um, the other Sims, the the shorter Sims brother, um, I don't think there's enough targets for Cam Sims. And, you know, having said that, Logan Thomas, of course, is a start again. But I'm scared to mention that just because every time I mention that he's a good play, that's when he doesn't do anything. Uh, For the Cowboys, I have Andy Dalton on my bench with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. I just don't see any chemistry with those guys right now. I I like Michael Gallup a little bit better than Cooper. I think Gallup can have a bigger game if they uh, look his way. But uh, I think, in general, all three are on the bench. Ezekiel Elliott, of course, is going to be starting. You're always starting Ezekiel Elliott. And he doesn't have a great matchup in this one because the Washington football team's good at defending the running back. But Ezekiel Elliott's just, he's the straw that stirs this drink in this offense. So you're starting him. CeeDee Lamb, I think, also is a a great play. Dalton Schultz, that uh, middle of the field is where the Washington football team gets a little bit soft at times. So that's where Andy Dalton's going to be looking and trying to uh, work the ball down the field in that area. So I like both those players just for that reason. But, uh, yeah, I think this will be an entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a high-scoring game, but uh, there's a lot at stake for this one. So who doesn't like games that have a a lot of significance like this one? Now to touch up on the very final game of the Thanksgiving holiday. This is the part of the day where you're stuffed with turkey, stuffed from pumpkin pie, your Aunt Sandy is yelling at you from the other room, drunk off her wine, wondering why you're not watching the holiday specials and you're trying to watch more football um, because you've watched it all day long. Uh, and it's also at the point where you don't care because you're almost asleep from the tryptophan and uh, just want to enjoy the last remnants of your holiday. It is the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a critical game for the Baltimore Ravens. They lose, and not only are their chances for the AFC North shattered, but it's tough sledding the rest of the way to even make the playoffs. So they really need this game. They're behind the eight ball a little bit with the COVID situation, not having Brandon Williams, not having J.K. Dobbins, not having Mark Ingram. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely the Ravens are facing some adversity. The Steelers, they are also on a short week. They just came off their victory over Jacksonville. And even though they dominated that matchup, they still looked a little lackluster. So regardless, when these two teams face off, it's pretty close. And I expect this one to be pretty close as well. Steelers are favored by two and a half points. And I think that's about right. Um, I'm taking the Steelers because they're at home. And the fact that the Ravens have some key people missing in this matchup because of the, 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 the COVID restrictions. So I... I think that's enough to push the Steelers over the top in this one. The over-under is 46 points, and usually the game is uh, 23-20. That's the standard score in this one. Uh, That would put them below 46, but I think they go a little bit above that. 
and so I'm going for the over in this one. And regards to who you start and who you sit, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm starting Hollywood Brown. I'm doing it. I know he's been irrelevant all year. I think this is a matchup where he can exploit and actually have a decent game. It's on the holidays, prime time. I think this is the game that Hollywood Brown finally shows something this season. And that's the same with Willie Sneed in that slot position. I, I think he can be a sneaky play where he can be relevant. And, uh, you know, the Steelers, with how good their defense is, their one big flaw, their kryptonite, is defending the wide receiver, especially that second receiver. And I just think Willie Sneed is a, is a good play in this one. Miles Boykin could surprise, but... I mean, Lamar Jackson just can't get Miles Boykin the ball. I don't know what it is. He just can't do it. So I like Snead better. Um, Lamar Jackson, you're sitting him, unfortunately. Steelers have his number. They know how to contain him. Lamar Jackson doesn't have very good games against the Steelers, and he turns the ball over a lot against them. Gus Edwards, we talked about him already. He's on my bench. If you need him, though, he could be one of those running backs that surprises because he has that speed. And the Ravens are, you know, no slouch at running the ball either. So you got to like that just from his volume. But he's currently on my bench. You know, Miles Boykins, I mentioned him. He's on my bench. And then Mark Andrews. The Steelers are the best team against the tight end position. So as good of a game that Mark Andrews had last week, I think he's pretty non-existent in this one and really um, is going to disappoint people that play him this week. For the Steelers... Juju Smith-Schuster, it's not a great matchup for him, but I think he rebounds from a disastrous game last week. Ben Roethlisberger is going to look his way a lot. He's going to be throwing it to him. Smith-Schuster is going to score. It's uh, it's not based off of anything than just my gut. I just uh, The Steelers are able to spread the ball around to a lot of different people. Ravens do have good cornerbacks, but there's just too many weapons. I think Smith-Schuster is the one that's going to benefit the most. Uh, you really need, at this point, to, to divert your attention to Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. So I, I think that really helps Juju Smith-Schuster in the slot. Uh, Eric Ebron, he's a good start. Ravens can't defend the tight end position. You need to be playing Eric Ebron. Basically, everyone else you're sitting, though. Ben Roethlisberger, definitely, he needs to be on your bench. Ravens are not a good matchup for him. He's, he's good enough to win, not good enough to be an effective fantasy football quarterback. James Conner needs to be on your bench. The, the running game uh, looked a little bit better against Jacksonville, but this isn't Jacksonville. This is the Ravens. So I think they pretty much stuff Conner. And Deontay Johnson, Chase, uh, Chase Claypool, I just mentioned them as well. I think that's the Ravens' focus in the secondary, and they're going to take them out of the game and leave things open for, you know, like James Robinson and Juju Smith-Schuster and, and the like. So uh, it's going to be an entertaining game. I'm looking forward to it. Great way to cap off the holiday. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, see what happens. That will do it for the show. You're listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Miz the Wiz Montalban. We appreciate you listening, especially in this special holiday week of Thanksgiving. Please stay safe.
we'll be back at it in a couple days to review the rest of the Sunday games. And in the meantime, cheers. Happy Thanksgiving.